Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you all for joining us on this first day of the new year. Now, if you have been with us over the years, or if this is your first time here at Wellspring, or if it's your last time here at Wellspring, show of hands, nobody? Okay. You will know that we, on this day, we talk about two things. Rocks, obviously, and remembering. We will get to the rocks here in a minute, but when it comes to our memories, I don't have to convince you that they are quite powerful. We are in the midst of a time where our memories are working towards crucial decision-making for the present and the future. We call this the time of New Year's resolutions. Now, I asked my wife, hey, what's your New, your New Year's resolution? She's like, we don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, so you're going to make a decision not to make a decision on the New Year. And you're resolute about that. That's a New Year's resolution. So, anyway. Now, this may be an encouraging and motivating time for most folks. But when we break down what is happening with these things, you find that there's some odd stuff in the mix. Virtually, all these resolute decisions are born out of negative memories. I'm sure there are a few, I'm sure there are very few New Year's resolutions that sound like this. Oh, I'm just going to keep killing it. You know, as I reflect on the past year, I have nothing, nothing that I can possibly uh, grow in. I just kind of nailed it, and let's just run that back in 2023. I think not. But... For just for fun, let's, let's roll, roll over some of these more common New Year's resolutions that we might hear rolling around. So you might hear something from the uh, eat healthy, exercise more, lose weight variety, which, if you study that a little bit, translates to, I have an des- undesirable memory of eating garbage, not being very active, and being unhappy with my physical appearance. And if you want to go the route of the resolution of make more time for family and friends. That kind of sounds like I have an undesirable memory of neglecting my family and friends in pursuit of selfish desires and obligations. Now, for us Christian folk, you might have one of these. Read the Bible and pray more, which then translates to I remember not doing that. Now, now it does not matter. If it is today or any other day of your life, memory is powerful. And here's a quick breakdown of kind of that I hope is is helpful for you all. When it comes to memory in our life and the power that it has over us, you can break it down like this. uh, Remembering what happened creates a vision for the future, therefore prompting our choices now. So memory is powerful. Memory is powerful. And negative memories can serve uh, to increase motivation and bring resolution, right, in the uh, the present moment and hope for the future. And that is why every single New Year's resolution works, right? Wrong. Now, what do we have for us today as we reflect on... um, what we have for us today, but for God's people, we are called to use our memories differently. The real work is not remembering how corrupt and fickle that we can be, 
but it is remembering how faithful and good God has always been. The memory of God's present, present uh, faithfulness, the memory of God's faithfulness inspires hope for the future, which gives birth to faithful, to resolute faithfulness in the present moment. Now, this is a good sentiment, right? But we struggle with this because our memories are limited. They fade, right? Our memories drift far from the truth, and we are left with this need for our memories to be anchored, to have a witness that points us to the truth. That is where our conversation about rocks begins, right? Because throughout the Bible, right, there is a rich um, earth science woven into the Bible. And why? Because geology rocks. There you go. Now, we could talk about, you know, what the, we could talk about biblical astronomy, but that would be way over our heads. Okay. My New Year's resolution is more dad jokes. One per day. I am killing my average right now. It's amazing. Now, let's talk about rocks for a minute. Now, we are going to connect them to memory, but I want to hear from you. What is it about rocks? For the kids in here, I want to ask you too. Hey, what is it about rocks? What do you like about rocks? Or for folks in here, why rocks? What is it about rocks that helps us serve our memories and do well for remembering God's goodness? Anybody help us out here? Why rocks? Armor? No? Okay. Phil, thank you. Sure, they stay. Yeah. Does that happen quite a bit? In your, okay, yeah. People throwing rocks, okay. Good, thank you. So rocks usually, they stay put. They're trustworthy, all right? You can count on them to stay where they are. Good. Any more insight into rocks? Why rocks? Yep, you can build things with rocks. Rocks are strong, okay? Renee, those wearings are coming in hot. Awesome. Ooh, goodness. If you climb a large rock, it, it adjusts your perspective and you get a wider view of things. Wow. It's awesome. Thank you. Any other takers on the rocks? Alrighty. Awesome. Now, to view stones or rocks in a way that the Bible asks us to, we are going to need to adjust our imagination a bit and invite a much more enchanting view of the physical world around us. So, a little warm-up, a little stretch, if you will, um, to get our minds uh, to think about and talk about stones the way we ought to. We need to link our minds to a few uh, key areas in Scripture. So, all right, so we're going to do a little stretching, all right, with some Scripture. The first is to the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The stone under our feet 
or the stone that I hold in my hand is a physical link to the very beginning. It has been here before any generation of man walked on the earth. All right? And, by, and on the extreme other side of the spectrum, we would do well to ponder like the writer of Ecclesiastes when he wrote this. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. And then lastly, when our Lord Jesus made his kingly entrance into Jerusalem a week before he was crucified, this bit is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It goes, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mountain of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began, to joy, uh, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Remember that part. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, uh, and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So to sum up, the stones of this earth have been here a while. They have seen things. They tell stories and will continue to tell stories of God's goodness and faithfulness. They can teach us something about remembering. Okay, now that we're warmed up, here's what we're going to do. I'm really excited for this part. So we're going to start off all right, the new year with reading um, a good amount of God's word uh, together. We are going to be go, uh, going to take a look at a few Old Testament stories concerning rocks. There are three stories, okay, three stories that the nation of Israel hold very dear to them as they reflect on how God formed them to be a people. And those are the stories of the Bethel, Mizpah, and Gilgal stones. All right, now we're going to fly over these. All right, and I'm going to be doing a lot of reading. All right, so if your New Year's resolution was to read the Bible more, you're going to be off to a great start on January 1st. All right, so starting with the first story um, concerns Jacob. All right, now this is uh, after deceiving his brother Esau out of his birthright and his father's blessing. He goes on the run. All right, he runs away from his home. All right, and he finds camp somewhere, sets up, he sets up camp and puts a stone under his head and goes to sleep. That night, he had a dream in which he sees heaven and earth connected, and God declares a blessing over his life. So if you want to turn to Genesis 28, we're going to start in verse 16. going to be page 39 in your pew bible or if you want to just listen that's also an option too but if you want the text in front of you go ahead all right concerning the rock when jacob awoke from his sleep he thought surely god is in this place and i was not aware of it he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, uh, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am making, and I uh, and I will and he will and give food to me and clothe me and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up will be God's house. And all that you give, I will give you a tenth. Our second story involves Jacob again, and he's again in, in some hot water. It has to be something to do with people named Jake, apparently. Is he here? Is Jake here? Yeah. Any Jake's here? Okay. Now, later in his life, he is uh, having some conflict with his uncle Laban, um, who gives Jacob a taste of his own medicine by deceiving him into 20 years of service shepherding his flocks. After those 20 years, Jacob's like, that's it. I've had it. And as you go to uh, chapter 31, starting in verse 38, you'll see how Jacob lets Laban have it. He says, I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flock. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment for me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This is my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and, the, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and my to- and the toil of my hands. And last night he rebuked you. Buked you. Laban answered, the women are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine, about the children they have born? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. I'm sure that made the boys in the family really happy. Oh, gotta gather stones. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to seriousness. Anyway, um, I shouldn't have done that because I lost my place. Gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar, Sahadutha, and Jacob called it uh, Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. This is why it was called Galid. It was also called Mizpah because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me uh, when, we are all, when we are away from each other. Our third, if you want to skip to Joshua chapter 4, 
is going to be on page 306. This third story springboards us to Israel on the cusp of becoming a free nation with a land of their own. This is after Jacob and the Israelites had gone down to Egypt and Moses had led them out of slavery to that nation. They were literally taking their first steps into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, Moses' successor. They had just crossed the Jordan. To, they just had to cross the Jordan to do so. No big deal. God commanded Joshua to tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river, into the Jordan River, to essentially use as a road close sign to stop the traffic of the raging river. And surely enough, once the priest stepped foot into the river, the power of God stopped the river and the Israelites passed through on dry land. Picking up on in verse uh, 17. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the water of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped in Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up, Gil in Gilgal, uh, set up Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up uh, before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Three amazing stories linked by stones. Now, the, these stories and the stones that preserve them are amazing testaments, testaments to God's goodness and faithfulness. We did sing about that earlier. But they are only noteworthy and continue to shape our lives as long as the people do the work to remember. And sadly, for the nation of Israel, they found it too easy to forget. In the book of Judges, we get this sad reality that after Joshua, here's what happened. After that, the whole, uh, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, the whole generation had died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And if you follow Israel's history, you see that that leads to a time of folly, of doing whatever was right in their time, trusting in numerous fake gods, uh, whatever sounded good at the time, which led to a season of foolishness, lawlessness, and unrest. But a hopeful story is found later in the faithful and one faithful man's willingness to remember. 
After the time of the judges, Israel looked for the priests to be the strong leaders of the people. And here we meet Samuel, who sets up a new stone, a new witness of God's ongoing faithfulness. After he kindles the hearts of Israel back to the Lord, telling them to repent, he sets up the Ebenezer stone. Now, this is after uh, Samuel helps the Israelites uh, by the power of the Lord to defeat, their, to defeat their enemies and thus creating peace all around them. He sets up the Ebenezer stone, which means the Lord has helped us. There is a, this is where, in preparation for this message, this is what really blew my mind. As we follow these stones and we are led to Samuel, we get an, a, really, a really amazing ending to the story of Samuel. So if you go ahead and put that up on the screen. And this is something that we want to have in our minds as we enter into our time of reflection and rock writing. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah. Judging Israel in all those places. When I read this, this just blew my mind. Samuel's life was marked by intentional, the intentional revisiting of the stones, traveling to the stones to remember God's goodness and faithfulness. Now, in a moment, we're going to be taking communion, all right, after a season of waiting uh, during Advent. Now that we have celebrated the arrival of Christ, we get to celebrate that by enjoying the bread and the cup together. Now, on this day, after taking communion, what we ask you to do is, if you had some time for reflection after taking communion, there are two tables set up, and they are filled with rocks and markers, okay? After you take communion, we encourage you to grab one of the stones from the table and with a marker, dedicate that stone to our memory of God's goodness and faithfulness this past year. Do so by writing one word or a short phrase that acts as a title page to a larger story. Now, I'm going to go ahead and put kind of a rundown of the stones that we have seen. And I hope this is helpful for you to collect your thoughts for what you might write down uh, on yours. Maybe your rock needs to reflect one that we talked about. Maybe today you're setting up a Bethel stone where this year you became aware that God is present. Maybe this year you need to set up a Mizpah stone where God can act as an overseer in a relationship of yours that might have conflict. Maybe that stone needs to be a witness between you and them to oversee, um, to oversee you both. You might be setting up a Gilgal stone where, God, where you celebrate where God had provided a way to freedom. Or maybe you might be raising up an Ebenezer stone where you celebrate that God has indeed helped you this past year. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and 
the servers are going to come up and we're going to get ready for communion. But beforehand, if you want to reflect on these four or just reflect on your personal story this past year, I want to give you a, a minute or two of just silence and reflection. And after a, a little bit of time, the ushers will come and dismiss you to first take communion and then to grab a stone and pen. And if you don't want to write uh, now, you can hang on to that. Um, but there's going to be some final encouragement as we close today. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we can go into this time of reflection. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Help us to remember that with minds that are prone to wonder, minds that are prone to forget. We pray that today these stones would act as a witness that they would draw us back to these, the fact that these stones have been around for a while. They have seen things. They can tell stories. And if we are silent, they will do the talking. Just thank you for that enchanted view of what we hold in our hands. So, Lord, we just pray that as we reflect, we would have a word to act as that title page to a greater story, to celebrate together your faithfulness. So, Lord, we just lift up this time. We lift up for folks who are hurting, folks who are celebrating, folks who are just in need of you, Lord. Help us in this time to reflect on your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.